All right. Um, what we got? Three to five. Three to five. Six and seven. Y'all, y'all cut loose now. <clears throat> Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter twenty-four. I know what most of you are thinking at this point. So why are you laughing? Why in the world is a pastor wearing a hat? Because I, I didn't wear a hat. Last Tuesday, and my head is peeling so bad, I figured it would refract light while I was preaching. <laughs> so I'm going to preach in a hat, and if that bothers you, I guess you're going to have to get over it. Uh, some of the things y'all do bother me, but I still preach, okay? <clears throat> and you're not going to show me anywhere in the Bible where it's wrong to wear a hat while you're preaching. Anyhow, I'm looking at that video, and Jesus has something on his head, so there you go. Genesis chapter 24. I am excited to preach this morning about this. Now, this is not your average Sunday morning message, but it's something that I know that God wanted me to to preach on, talk to you about scriptural dating. I announced this last Sunday, and uh, I've had already got a lot of feedback for it. One of the things God's given me and my wife both is a, a, a very strong heart's desire to see good, strong, thriving marriages. And I believe that uh, in order to have that, that if you want the right results, you have to get off to the right start. If you're here and you're married or you're older or that kind of stuff, well, don't, you know, this is not going to be for me, so I can tune him out. You just stay tuned in because there's something in here for everybody. I'm not just talking to young people. Uh, we have a lot of singles. We have a lot of y'all. If you don't straighten up, you're going to be single. And uh, <clears throat> and I uh, just want to take God's word and look at it. I do want to say this um, to start off with. Uh, I guess it's kind of difficult to preach a gospel message when you're talking about scriptural dating. So I'm going to start it off like this. God's word was written for believers. It was written for people who believe that Jesus is the son of God who came and died on a cross for our sins, who were in desperate need of in order that we could be forgiven, in order that we could be given life, in order that we might be born again, in order that we might have salvation. Okay, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Believing that changes every aspect of your life. Every part of your life is affected by whether or not you believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be and that he accomplished what he accomplished for our sins on the cross. Okay, salvation is not I'm going to go to church, I'm going to pray a prayer, I'm going to get baptized, and now I'm a Christian that goes on about my life living however I want to. And then when I roll in on Sunday, you know, that's what it's all about. So, so when I preach to you on scriptural dating, it doesn't matter if it's dating or if it's marriage or if it's your finances or if it's how you handle your business. Jesus is either Lord of your life or he's not. And uh, so let's not separate life. When you separate life from the Lord, what you're doing is you're religious because religion separates Jesus and, and how you worship from everyday life. If if he is not the Lord of your everyday life, then you're messed up and you've got a, a false assumption of what Christianity is. So there you have it. So if you hear this morning, go, I'm really not in, interested in what the Bible has to say about, you know, my dating life. That's my business. It's not your business. If he's the Lord of your life, it's his, it's his business. And and what I'm going to say to you, probably going to go against the grain of a lot of you. Um, and, and, and I'll say this. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to get into it here in a minute. <clears throat> Let's look in Genesis chapter 24. <clears throat> when you look at... Uh, and I'm not going to tell you to go out and get your camels and trade for somebody, a wife here. But there are principles that we can take God's word and we can look at and we can understand that God's word is like a compass. 
No matter what direction we choose to go, no matter what direction society chooses to go, no matter what direction the Supreme Court chooses to go, God's word is always pointing in the direction that he has laid out for us. And it what applied 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years ago, the principles of it still applies to your life today. So don't give me no, well, that was then and that was that culture. No, that's today and that's what we should be. Our culture is a nightmare. And if you teach your kids, or you involve yourself in relationships according to the ways of our society, you're going to end up in a pathway of destruction. So with that, looking in chapter 24, verse 1. (coughs) Excuse me. It said, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now, now what he was doing, it was kind of like a handshake to us. They were entering into a covenant there before the Lord. And Abraham was given his... His head servant, who obviously he had trusted with everything that he had, he was giving him direction because this servant was fixing to go choose a wife for Isaac. Now, ain't you glad we don't have that anymore? I think you'd be a lot better off if you did, if you want to know the truth. And I'll I'll talk about that in a minute. In verse 5, it says, And the servant said unto him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there, the Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. For all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and he went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city at a well of water at the evening time, the time when the women go out to draw water. And then he said, O Lord... God of my master, Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master, Abraham. Behold, here I stand by a well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it. Let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one. Please underline this. You have appointed. You have appointed. For your servant Isaac. You see who's doing the choosing? And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking. That behold Rebekah who was born of Bethuel son of Milcah and the wife of Nahor. Abraham's brother came out with a pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold a virgin. No man had known her and she went. Down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up, and the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And I know I'm reading a lot, but we're going to stick with it. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then he quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. 
And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. We're going to stop right there. Now, when you look at this, the, the one verse I want you to look at is verse 15 and 16. I want to call your attention to that. It says, she was very beautiful to behold. Most of the time in our culture today, that's, that's how we pick a spouse. That's how we pick somebody that we want to have a relationship with. Most people look at outward appearance. That's the first thing. The second thing is emotional attachment. And then it's usually all downhill from there. Amen. So if that's what you do, that's totally and absolutely wrong. That was the last thing that was mentioned here. Now, as the introduction, I got to say this, okay? To start with, when you look at this passage of scripture, Abraham sends his servant to find Isaac a wife from among the daughters, not a partner from among the brethren. Are y'all with me? All the way through scripture, it points out that a marriage or a dating relationship, however you want to start off calling this, is between a man and a woman. Some of you might sit here and say, well, what about the Supreme Court decision? I have a Supreme Judge who has already spoken, who will judge the Supreme Court judges according to the word, and he will judge righteously against those who choose otherwise. I'm not going to get real heavy into that this morning, but I do want to say, just because society, just because a Supreme Court judge, I don't care if it's the king of England, all right? Whoever it is that goes against God's word, let God be true and all men be liars, okay? But I'm going to go with God's word, and and, uh, that's as far as I'm going to go with that, and I'll preach on that a little bit later. But when you look back... Into this, I want you to see some key principles of Christian dating. Now, I'm not talking about worldly dating. I'm not talking about how maybe, you know, and I, I'm going to say I didn't date in the right way by no means. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and most of us here have never taken God's word and looked and go, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to see how God wants me to seek out my future spouse. I want to go about it in God's way. I'm going to trust God that when I seek Him and I walk in His way, that He's going to bring me to the one He has appointed for me. I believe I take Scripture all the way through and show you that God has someone that He has created, just like He created Adam just for Eve. I mean, uh, yeah, both both ways, okay? Eve just for Adam. I believe that God has somebody that He has designated, created in His mother's womb. And parents, that's who we ought to be praying and guiding our children to so that they can find that appointed person. Not a difficult thing, but it's a biblical thing in which you find when you seek the Lord. So the first thing that you see here, the first principle, if you're writing... Write down parental involvement. Parental involvement. And if I say some things that tinge you this morning, you know, I ain't thinking of nobody personally. And if it tinges you, please come and talk to me and we'll tinge together. Now, when you talk about parental involvement, a lot of parents have the idea that for some reason, whatever reason that it is, that when your kids get, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever age that you choose, that you some reason, for some reason, you just turn them loose. You go, well, you know, good luck. We trust you. You know, do you do your thing and go find your spouse? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. God never just turns us loose to do whatever we think's right in our own eyes. And God made you parents for those kids so that you guide and you direct and you influence and you speak wisdom to them. And I know, you know, there's a, there is a great certain amount of trust that you should have for your kids because you've raised them up and they've shown themselves to be trustworthy. But you never just turn kids loose 
to go, you know, this is what you need to do. You should, your whole life, you should be involved from the time they're little bitty preparing them for this because their future spouse is the second greatest decision they'll ever make in their life. First greatest decision is what are you going to do with Jesus is number one. The second one is who are you going to marry? That's more important than what you're going to do for a job or what kind of college you're going to go to or what kind of car you're going to drive. Real quick, look in Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. Because who they pick not only affects them, but it's going to affect you. David was real strong on that's right one. (laughs) Genesis chapter 26. My son married his daughter in case you missed that. Genesis twenty six thirty four. Okay, this is later on. This is this is Rebecca. Okay, and in uh, twenty six thirty four, let me make sure I tell you. Yeah, said when Esau, Esau and Jacob were brothers. When Esau was forty years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beri. I hate to see what she looked like. The Hittite and Basemat, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And notice what it says, and they were a grief of the mind of Isaac and Rebekah. He married idol worshipers, ungodly women, okay? Number one, he married two women, which is wrong to start with. Second thing is, he took them from the daughters of the Canaanites there who were idol worshipers. They served different gods, and what happened was, it was a grief. And there's a lot of parents today that when when they see their children married or who they're dating, it's a grief to them. And think about this, while they're dating, you're so grieved, but you never get involved. You never care enough to to go to your kids and go, you know what, I'm your parent, I have the authority. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about sitting down and having a relationship. You ought to have a relationship with your kids before they get to this age to where they respect you and that they honor you and that they listen to you. They know that you care about them and that when you speak to them, you're speaking for their good, you know, and that when you go to them, you go, I've got some concerns here because this goes way out of what we've trained you your whole life to be looking for. Okay. Care enough to get involved. Look in chapter 27, verse 46. I like to hear that sound. Chapter 27, verse 46. It says, and Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Do you see how much emphasis she was placing on who her son married? There's a huge emphasis in our life as parents on who our kids are in relationship to and who they're marrying. You know, one of the reasons, you know, and I hear people, and I guess I'm going to get off on this just a little bit, and I'm going to run out of time before I finish this morning. But one of the one of the things that I've heard, I don't have Facebook and all that stuff, but since this whole same-sex marriage uh, deal passed, is I've heard there's a lot of uproar on Facebook and Internet and people, you know, lashing out and Christians saying things and, and you know, this big argument and fight. And what I want to say is, now I'm not saying putting all the blame, but I do want to say part of the blame, a huge part of the blame goes to us on that. The, the, the reason being, if, if we take our kids... 
And we just turn them over to society to raise and to influence, you know. Let's put them in that. And I'm not all against the public school, okay. But what I'm saying is if you just throw your kids amongst the public school system around a bunch of kids who are raised in ungodly atmosphere, an ungodly home, and you let those kids teach your kids what Dayton's all about, and they're the greatest influence, and we leave them wherever, and we let them go wherever, you know, and you be home at this time, as long as you're here this time, we don't know where you're at, you know, and we're not an influence on you. Why are we surprised that our culture molds the mind and the thought process into what we have today? Whereas God's people ought to be the greatest influence on the kids today. And the answer is not lashing out and attacking those people to go, you know, this this is an abomination and, and blah, blah, blah. The answer is this. Years ago, we thought that we could keep that suppressed. You know, we're going to keep this perversion, this homosexuality stuff beat down, keep it in darkness. And if I get up and scream enough out of a pulpit, hellfire and damnation, and we ignore it and act like it's not there, that it'll, that it'll go. And, and fear and intimidation only runs so long. And you know what? All of a sudden they stop being scared and they stop being intimidated by preachers shouting from the pulpit when what they needed to see is godly people bringing it into the light out there every day to go, this is who Jesus is. This is who we are. This is why we live. And this is what the truth says in love. And if God's people presented and took the gospel to the public, the public wouldn't be trying to bring the world into the church. So we'll take part of the blame. And understand, we just took a major turn in our nation. And, and this is a whole different message that I'll probably pe- preach here pretty quick. We are headed for judgment. And there is no avoiding it. Now, back to Dayton. Your parents should be highly involved. Now, if you're here and you're a single person like Jared Paul. <laughs> I told him I was going to get him this morning. You know, and you're older like that. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, he got me stuck yesterday for four hours. I owe him. Anyhow, you might not want to involve your parents as much, but let me tell you, you better involve a spiritual mentor. You need to involve somebody who walks with the Lord who you can go to and say, I want your honest opinion. What do you think about this person that I'm talking to or that I'm interested in? Because I want you to tell me and I want you to love me enough to tell me the facts of it. Because so many times what happens is you say, why is it my parents? Why do I want my parents involved? Or or why do I want this spiritual mentor involved? Because what it is, it is wisdom apart from emotion. Because what happens is we, you know, we, we we get lost in love. I think the only thing that we that we lose when we we, and when we get lost in love is we lose rational thinking. And when we fall in love and say, oh, that emotional attachment, I want to give you a press announcement. That's not love. Okay, that's 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 a type of love, but that's not the love that you love your wife with or you love your husband with, like the Bible teaches. And all of a sudden, your kids or your friend, you've seen it time and time again, you know, they walk with the Lord. All of a sudden, they come across somebody they shouldn't have come across. And it's just like, oh, we're just friends. And the next thing you know, oh, we're just, oh, I just fell in love. And, and you ain't thinking right. You're not thinking about your future. You're not thinking about the type of person this person is going to turn into or what they are that you're not seeing. You're just blinded. And the purpose of a parent is to come along and go, let's think apart from the wedding and the honeymoon. Let's think into the years and let me speak some wisdom into your life because I had a wedding and I had a honeymoon. Okay? You all with me? 
And, and, and a spiritual mentor is a person that you have given permission long before you got into a relationship to go, when I get into this, I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to come to me and I want you to point out some things that I'm going to be blinded to. And I want you to speak the facts. And I'm probably going to get mad and upset, but I want you to love me enough to come to me and you tell me and you speak wisdom apart from an emotional attachment. Parents, because here's the thing. Your parents, if you're hearing your young person, your parents are looking at the inward along with the outward. Most of the time, we're so caught up in what's going on. We don't think about the inward. We don't think about the future. I don't care what a person, for the most part, looks like. You know, if, if my kid shows up with somebody, I always, for some reason, I think about Kristen. She shows up with a young man. There's a few things that will bother me about outward appearance, and I'll get into that. But if he shows up at the house, I'm not so much concerned with the outward appearance as much as I want. I want to know what you look like. I want to know who you are. When she goes to talking, and she ain't talking yet, but when she goes to talking to somebody, I'm not going to say, well, show me a picture of this dude. I want to see. That doesn't tell me anything. I know clean cut young men who are in church every Sunday. I don't want her around because I know who they are. Now, I'm not talking about you fellas here in this church, okay? But... I used to be one of those, and I wouldn't want me around her. And so in that, I want to sit down, and I want to get to know you, and I want to know who you are more than what you appear like. Because appearance doesn't mean anything. The Bible says God does not look upon the outward appearance of man, but He looks upon the heart. And God gives us wisdom as parents. Not that you can judge, but you can sure find out a whole lot when you sit down and do some talking. And you get involved in that. So I encourage you to do that. And your parents, listen to me kids, speak experience beyond a honeymoon. Parents and mentors, it's important for you to guard and to guide. Don't just turn them loose and go, you know, this is a, it's our responsibility as a parent, man. If I, if I can encourage you, if you've got young kids, you know, my, my, well, my kids are a little bitty, they're not thinking about dating. They're going to be thinking about dating long before you think they're thinking about dating. And you need to be projecting in their mind... First off, by how you live and the way you treat your wife and your husband, what they should be looking for in a spouse. And you should be talking to them going, look, this is what you're looking for. First and foremost, you want somebody who loves Jesus, who knows him, who walks with him, who has a strong relationship with him. Because if they don't love the Lord, they're not going to love you. And you teach your kids what they're looking for and you teach them what dating is all about. This starts way before the actual dating starts. And kids, if you want to show how mature you are, most of the time we get to a certain age, you're like, I don't need my mom, dad, tell me nothing. You know, they're archaic and they don't know anything. And, and I, I'm grown because I'm 16 now. If you want to show how mature you are, you go to your mom and dad and you listen to their counsel. I want to honor God. I want to honor you. This all goes back to who Jesus is to you. Because if you say, I love the Lord and I follow Jesus, then the Bible says, honor your mother and your father. And you honor them by going and saying, I want to know your thoughts on this. And I want to listen to your counsel on this. And I'm going to do what you suggest. And parents, allow your kids to talk. Give them that freedom to go, you're free to express yourself any way that you want. You talk and do it on a low tone. But you're going to talk and we can share the topic of whatever that you want to do. Now, looking in verse 5 through 9, verse 5 through 9 says, The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family... 
who spoke to me and he swore to me saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. If the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under his thigh and Abraham of Abraham's master and he swore to him concerning this matter. Second thing is, first off, your parents shouldn't be involved, a spiritual mentor. Second thing is, the person that you date should be promoting, encouraging, and advancing your relationship to Jesus. Did you get that? The person that you consider dating, don't even date them until you find out this. The person that you're in kids nowadays, they're like, we're just talking. Okay, whoever you're talking to. Should be promoting, encouraging, and advancing your relationship with Jesus. If the person that you're talking to, or that you're dating, or that you're engaged to is taking you away from the Lord, cut them loose. Immediately cut them loose. Oh, but I love them. You don't love them, okay? You'll get past them. It's a whole lot easier to cut them loose now than it is in a divorce court. God had a plan for Isaac's life. We know that. Abraham's talking about it here. We see it all through the scripture. The Bible says, I know my plans, my thoughts for you. God has a perfect plan for your life that involves somebody that he's got appointed who's going to fit perfectly into that plan. Okay? And so in this, he needed a wife who was going to be part of God's plan. Not somebody who was going to be contrary to that plan or this, somebody that you're, that you are going to try to change and make fit the plan. Do we not understand? There's one thing I realize as a pastor, you can't change anybody. Only God's spirit changes a person and God is faithful to wrestle with that person's heart, to draw that person. But you never go into any kind of relationship where you go, well, I know that this person is lost. And I think that if I date them or that I become close friends with them, that then I can win them and they would fit into God's plan and make a perfect spouse. You don't go into it like that. That totally goes against God's word because he says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Or a believer with an unbeliever. And so in that, when you decide what you're going to do as far as your date and plan, your first plan should be, the Bible says, and Jesus is Lord, I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked. That means I'm not even going to consider dating a lost person. And I know what some of y'all folks are thinking. Well, who's going to win the lost? I want a lot of people that I don't date. Okay, y'all with me? <laughs> don't give me that. That's a crazy excuse. I'm going to date them so I win them. Why don't you win them? And then when you see the fruits of it, then you'll consider dating them. Or get somebody else to win them, okay? Get your daddy to win them. He'd probably do good at it. <laughs> so now, say, well, well how do I know? Because I know that's good. How do I know? Because half of people claim to be saved, and I really don't see it. And this kind of stuff, okay? Understand this. Right here we see Isaac was somewhat established in his relationship or his direction to God was leading him. This implies that before I go confusing my life... With somebody else in a relationship. I need to be established in my walk with the Lord. I need to first and foremost go. The the most important thing in my life. Is that I know Jesus. And that I walk with him. And that he is directing my paths. And I have somewhat of an idea. Of way God's leading my life. And that gives me a whole lot more clarification. If this person is the person that God has appointed for me. Y'all excited ain't you? Are you with me, Brother David Prather? You with me? Okay. 
Miss Bonnie's elbowing him about right now. So in that, because here's the thing, if you are going two different directions, it's not going to work. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 said, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? And so many people, God, I've seen it time and time again as a pastor, very frustrating. Both with young people and with older people and people who have been married and people who have been divorced. And all of a sudden, here's what happens. They come on strong. And I've told you this before. They come on strong. Uh, they go through a divorce. God begins to restore them, renew them. Okay? They're focused on Jesus. Their heart's being healed. Their, their walk is strong. And all of a sudden, the devil brings somebody along. Oh, I'm so lonely. Maybe I can win them to the Lord. And they begin to talk. And then they come and say, what do you think? And me and my wife are like, we're thinking you're a nut, you know. And uh, we say that after we leave you. And uh, anyhow, all of a sudden they start doing and, and here's the request. Brother Randall, Miss John, please pray that God will bring somebody along for me. We, we are praying, but this is not that person. I mean, there's no way this dude or this lady could be that person. Because they're totally contrary to the scripture. Well, I know, but... I'm so lonely and blah, blah, blah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to be an example to this person. I'm going to try to win them. The next thing you know, somebody who was here all the time in fellowship, walking with the Lord. They're not here on Wednesdays. They're not here on Sunday. They miss Sunday. And you see them six months later and go, hey, what happened? Well, I know I ought to be there. I just kind of got involved with this person. You know, we're, we're, we just kind of got out of church. And we kind of got away from the Lord. So now when people come to me and say, will you pray God bring somebody to my life? I'm like, No. <laughs> Pray yourself, okay? Because obviously my prayers is not working for you. Because so many people just, it's like their mind blanks out. And they think, even especially people who've been in a divorce. I'm thinking, why did you get out of one nightmare that was contrary to the Scripture? The reason you got into that nightmare, because it started off contrary to the Scripture. Now you're out of it. God's ready to restore you. And He does that. If you're hearing your divorce, God restores, renews, okay? He's ready to start with a new foundation, a good, strong relationship with Him. He's going to lead you to somebody He's appointed for you. And all of a sudden, it's like you totally forget what, what you've learned through the miserable experience you've been through. You're like, well, this is an exception to the rule because this person will be different. No, they're not. Lost people are all the same. They're lost. They don't care about God's Word, God's ways, or how God wants them to treat you. They're about numero uno. Okay, And when you get with that person, don't be shocked when they start treating you that way. I got to finish. Okay, Now, let me give you some real quick questions that I want you to ask. And these are good biblical questions. If you're going to find out if you all agree, you need to do a lot of talking. If you're going to do this talking, then talk about something. Don't just talk. If you're going to burn a phone up and text it, use all your mom and daddy's minutes. Make it good. Write this down. When you talk to somebody, you never ask yes or no questions. You never go, oh, my dad told me I need to ask you, um, do you go to church? I didn't say nothing about church. I don't care. if you go. I want to know, do you know Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? Have you been born again? All those good Bible terms. Okay? And in that, here's, what you, here's how you ask it. You don't say, hey, are you saved? Because what are they going to say? Yeah. They know that's what you want to hear. Yeah, I'm saved. I go to church. And most of you go, okay, good. That's as far as you carry it. I say, here's what you need to ask. Here's how I want you to word it. Tell me about your relationship to Jesus. Because a lot of times you say, hey, uh, are you a believer? Oh, yeah, I believe. And and beware of these kind of people. So are you a believer? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. The devil believes and trembles. You might be marrying the devil himself. 
So many people will be glad to tell you that they believe in God. I don't want to hear whether or not you believe in God. I don't want to hear whether or not you go to church. Tell me about your relationship to Jesus. And when they go, oh, you know, I'm just really uncomfortable talking about that, you know, or, or they're afraid to talk about Jesus, get away from them. I've never met a fisherman who's uncomfortable talking about fishing. I've never met a fisherman who said, I believe in fish. Right? If I wanted to know if you was a fisherman, I said, hey, man, you're a fisherman? Oh, yeah, man, I believe in fish. What? Tell me about your fishing. And they'll be glad to if they're a fisherman. And if they stumble around, get them out the boat. Second question. (laughs) I'm almost done. Second question. Tell me about your relationship to your parents. Because that's going to tell me a whole lot about you. Don't, don't, you know, if, if, if the Bible says, how can you say that you love somebody you can't see referring to God when you can't love somebody that you can see? And I know not everybody has a good relationship with their parents, but a lot of times that's by their own choice. I want to know where you are with your parents. So if any of you boys in the future choose to choose to talk to my daughter, you're probably going to hear these questions. Okay. If she don't want to ask you, I sure will. <laughs> And here's another thing. If you say, I don't want to ask my, my, I don't want to ask somebody these questions. Why? Is it not important to you? You tell me about your relationship with Jesus. If you don't care about the person that you're thinking about marrying, you don't care about their relationship with Jesus, do you even have one? Tell me what your definition is or your idea. I want to know this. What is your definition or your idea of love? Now, some of you girls are going to hear some great stuff on that. I guarantee you. Oh, baby, you. <laughs> All this kind of junk. Okay. Those three questions. I'll stop right there for today. But those three questions right there pretty much sum it up where you need to talk anymore or get off the phone. Dayton is for the purpose of finding a wife. Abraham did not send his servant to find somebody for Isaac to hang out with. And I know what we say. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of the young people here, the kids might be saying... I'm not dating. I'm not dating to look for a wife, man. I'm only 13. That's why dating ain't for junior high. If you ain't looking for a spouse, you're looking for trouble. And so there's no point in little kids dating. You ain't even thinking about getting married. If you don't have a job, you don't need to be dating. If mom and daddy has to take you to a date, grow up and get a get a job because you can't support her, so you don't need her. And so in that. There's no purpose for kids dating. I'm not saying that, you know, talking and that kind of stuff. But I'm saying when you date, you're looking for a spouse. You're looking for somebody who is interesting that you might consider to marry. And that's the only purpose for it. So many marriages start because two people just want to hang out. And that other person is a far cry from a spouse or somebody that you would consider. They get emotionally attached. They end up in a nightmare because they didn't listen to the Lord. Some of you are sitting here this morning. I can tell by the look on your face. So here's the thing, and we'll go into this. I'm going to have to finish this. I'm going to do a two-part. If dating is the foundation for your marriage, it's a time where you make a lot of decisions. Here's the decisions you have to make. Am I a born-again believer? Is Jesus really the Lord of my life? Do I believe God? Because being a Christian is not saying, I believe in God. It's saying, I believe God. 
Abraham didn't believe in God. The Bible says Abraham believed God. And if I say I believe in Jesus, he is my Lord and Savior. Lord means that whatever he says, that's what my heart's desire is to obey. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things that I say? Well, I don't think the Lord knows. I think if he's designed somebody for you, he probably already knows who they are. And he knows how to bring you in contact with a person. Some of you are sitting here this morning and go, well, I've been waiting so long, Jared. And, and I don't know why. No, kidding. If any of you ladies here are single, this brother right here is an awesome man of God. right? No. Anyhow, I told you I'd put that in there for you for 20 bucks. He's going to need this hat. <laughs> Think about this, and this is this doesn't apply to him. If you are one of this, I've been I've been waiting, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying. If you're not walking with God, why in the world would God give you one of His sons or daughters so that you could lead them away? Why not you go, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to follow Jesus, and as I walk with the Lord, God is so good, He wants the very best for me. Do you not understand? God wants your marriage to be awesome, to thrive, to be good, to last forever, to be hopeful. And God says, you walk with me, and as this other person walks with me, I'm going to bring your path together, and I'm going to bring you together. You're going to be brought together by truth and by love. It's going to not just survive, it's going to thrive, it's going to last, and it's going to be awesome. But if you choose to go... I'm not into that whole Jesus thing. You know, I'm going to do things my way. Then don't be surprised when absolute chaos hits your life and you find yourself wrapped up in a world of pain years from now. If you're here today and you go, you know what? I hadn't been walking with the Lord. I hadn't been seeking God. But today I want to make a decision to start off with the right foundation. This is my last deal. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells of a story of two foundations of a house being built. He said, there's one man who hears the word of God and he obeys it. I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock because the storms came and the rain fell and the wind blew. But the house stood because it was founded upon the rock. That's a person who goes, Jesus is Lord. I believe his word. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to to let him build my life. That's my foundation. Are you going to have storms? Sure. But your house is going to stand because you built upon the right foundation. And then there's the man who does the same thing. He hears the word of God and he ignores it. He doesn't listen. He heard it every Sunday. and He's like, whatever. I'm going to do things my way. I will liken him unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Same scenario, the storms came, the rain fell, the wind blew, and the house fell, and great was the fall of it. What house are you going to build? Maybe you hadn't started your foundation yet. I need to start the round foundation. I need a relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Secondly, I need somebody to help me through this and to pray with me. Parents, be a good day to go, we're going to pray with you. That God's going to lead you. Many when you have that, Kelsey is carrying her little baby. They ought to already be praying. God, I pray that whoever's carrying my baby's future spouse, that you would save them, and you would that you would prepare them for the life that you had for them. Pray for your kids. Pray with your kids. And maybe you're here today and you need somebody to pray with you. Go. I need guidance. I need. I, I'm in the wrong direction. I want to get in the right direction. I want to find God's path for my life so that He can bring that person into my life. Will you stand your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just bow before you this morning. And I thank you that you're a God who loves us so much. 
Not only did you go to the cross to die for our sins so that we could be saved in eternity, but you went there to give us life and life abundantly. God, I know that you have someone that you desire to bring into our life. Lord, I know from experience that when you do that, it is so good. And I just thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you're our shepherd, that you guide us, Lord, into green pastures. Lord, did you lead us? And I just pray over this crowd, Lord. I know there's so many people here who are single, people who desire to find that person that you've molded for them. God, I pray that their focus will be upon their heart and their walk with you. Lord, that you would put hope in the heart. God, I know a lot of times it seems hopeless to find somebody who loves Jesus. But, Lord, I know that you have those people. And, God, may we just trust in you. I pray for every young person here today. Lord, that they would see your love through their parents, that they would consider your word, God. They would listen to the counsel and to the advice that's being spoken to them, Lord. And I just pray, God, for everyone here who is going into that relationship, leading towards a marriage, God, that you would just guard them, that you would keep them. And, Lord, that they would honor you. And I pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.